0: Down Mom, so he's him.
1: <laughs> if you know your party's extension, please dial it now.
0: Austin, we have a problem. I'm sick of all this complaining <gasps> all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Multitasking in Heels, your safe space, if you will, to share all of your hilarious and harrowing tales of. Trying to juggle your crazy life, but still looking fabulous. We're your hosts, Liz and Lindsay, and thank you guys so
0: much for joining us today. Uh, So, Liz,
1: tell us about your week. How was it?
0: (laughs) It was trying. It was trying, aren't they all? (laughs) Just just like this, this morning. Uh, Liz and I have been at uh, about an hour of tech checks Mm -hmm. and craziness. And I think it's because there is a full moon mm-hmm. um, tonight yep. for everyone. Um, it is by the time you listen to this, this we pre-record, um, like most podcasts do. But this is Halloween night, mm-hmm. and full moons uh, let the crazies out. Yep, and it. I think Mercury is still in retrograde, <laughs> which also makes all tech challenges, even more challenging. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've been up to this. Yeah, morning. We had a morning of what can go wrong. will go wrong.
1: <laughs> so we'll just see how this goes. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, Liz, should we kick off a uh, pump and flat? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to share your highs and lows of the week? Sure. Cause there was a lot of lows, but <laughs> yeah. let's try and, uh, kick off the pump. Moment. Yes. I always have to remember the pump moments. So my pump moment was hilarious and it started on an insurance call, which you wouldn't think those are too fun. funny. <laughs> um, we had an insurance call at work for, um, we have to get certs, um, Certificates of insurance for shooting. Um, I'm in production and we have to get coverage for a lot of different things. And we had our risk management officer on the phone, which is always a little scary um, mm-hmm. because you feel like you're going to get yelled at at any moment that you're not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And she's a very nice lady but she's very serious as you would think. Oh yes. Yeah. For that job. Mm -hmm. So I, as has been happening in COVID, you have back to back to back meetings and my whole team showed up on time, which was awesome. And I was two minutes late. And I guess the risk manager was asking for me. And so my team's either texting me or teamsing me, where are you? But I was two minutes late. That's not that bad. Unlike when you're going from meeting to meeting. So they're like, they're asking for you. They're asking for you. I'm like, God forbid you have to go to the back room in between
1: four hours of conference calls. That's another thing.
0: So I get on, the meeting starts. It's the second meeting of this big insurance talk. Everyone's kind of upset because there was a lot of rules put in that we didn't know about. But fast forward, we get into... International conversation, and we do a lot of work out in the country, mm-hmm. and so um we start talking about where. And I said, "Well, we work a lot in Colombia," mm-hmm. and the risk manager risk manager goes, "Lindsey, what do you do in Colombia?" <laughs> and would you think you were like a drug dealer or something? Well, like that? <laughs> this oh, is no. kind of where so I I started kind of giggling because mm-hmm. I was like there's only one reason we're on this call right and it's about sh- production mm-hmm. so I was kind of giggling like well should I like I felt almost like Liam Neeson like this, right this group has a special set of skills <laughs> and um so I said we shoot you know we mm-hmm. shoot and then I was like Eh, is that a good choice of words? Right. Talking about Columbia, but whatever. And she goes, can you tell me more? And I said, we do shoots down there. Like this is the normal conversations we have. So then we started, she goes, well, what is this business? I'm like, it's a production business. And then I said, okay, well I was trying to get more serious about it because Mm -hmm. And I said, they, we've worked with them for a very long time. They have business also in Miami. Oh dear. You're just digging yourself deeper. (laughs) As you can see where this is going in Miami and in Mexico. And as I'm saying this, cameras are starting to go off. I'm losing my team because they are realizing and I'm hearing, and then the audios are going off Mm -hmm. and I'm not realizing it Mm -hmm. quite yet because. I'm in my head going, "This is like this company's awesome. We've been working with them for, them for so, so long. long." And then, and then as, as I'm seeing like the like, fifth, fifth, camera, camera go, off the go off and the audio go off, I'm like, it. "Okay, now I think I might have like tipped the scale." And then I'm seeing the risk manager's face like go, <sighs> and so then I okay, said, "Oh no no no, okay okay, I see where you're going. No no no," and I said. Oh, they also traffic for us.
1: Oh, dear God, Lindsay.
0: <laughs> You've seen enough episodes of
1: Narcos to probably know better than that.
0: <laughs> media, trafficking, media. And I didn't because I was so flustered like right. watching because I was watching all the cameras go off and the audio go mm-hmm. off. And I and I forgot the word media mm-hmm. because I was like, what is happening? Why why is this happening? And I, my whole team put their cameras back on at the same time and then everyone lost it. I bet. And then um, one of my teammates said, is now a good time to tell you that I work in China a lot too? (laughs) That is perfect. And thankfully, thankfully Mm -hmm. this woman had a, an amazing sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And she said, I am thankful that you guys make insurance fun because it's usually really boring. And I was so thankful. That's hysterical. And then right after that call, Mm -hmm. I had a meeting with, um, one of my high up bosses Mm -hmm. and I was still giggling and he's like, what's so funny? And I'm like, I probably should let you know this just in case you get a call, right. you know, just in case. It comes up
1: in conversation. And I
0: wasn't sure how, how he, he would, would take, take it. it. And he started, he started laughing. laughing and he goes, well, well that's, that's hilarious. hilarious. And mm-hmm. he said, yeah, we do shoot in really random places that might be questionable to people up high. Right. So it is what it is. Oh my God. That's amazing. And if you
1: can get a good laugh like that at work on an insurance call,
0: you take it. (laughs) It it was hysterical. And that's the one thing that like everyone had a really hard week Mm -hmm. and every single team member was like, thank you so much. I needed this so badly. And it was, you know, and then of course there was like hilarious conversations on the side. Like, right. I need one certificate for Pablo Escobar's Uh, toilet gold toilet you know like how do you ensure that so it it was very very funny oh my gosh um my flat moment Uh of the week was um we use microsoft teams at work Uh and they need a better ux um their interface on the team's threads Mm -hmm. only show you a few names on a thread or just like one name if you're not totally paying attention Mm -hmm. and or you're multitasking like this whole podcast Mm -hmm. is about. And um, one of my direct reports was writing to me about getting on a meeting for a client and could I make it? Mm -hmm. And I said... I was looking at my schedule and I said, oh sure, but I need to look at it again because I might be getting back from the gyno at that time. Fun times, you know, just normal that she's, she's a close direct report and she's a lady Mm -hmm. and she would understand that. And, um, I, there was crickets for a while and she usually would say, great, cool, totally get it. Um, and I looked back and was like, why didn't I hear from her? And, uh, um, there were two young men on that thread, two of my favorite creatives. (laughs) And I about died of humiliation. (laughs) And they are young family men. Okay. They are both raising young women. Okay. Mm -hmm. So while I was mortified and felt horrible and awkward, they both were so kind and so nice about it. (laughs) But it was truly a flat moment while I was sweating profusely. Yes. Saying, oh my gosh, this is like, such a wh- horrible work moment of, like, when you're do-
1: doing too much and you're not, like, processing what you're doing and you don't have time to double check. And, what like, that's, that's just cool. the story of our
0: lives. Yes. Yeah. And they were so <laughs> cool about it, but a lot of funny memes going back and forth, like the Homer Simpson, where he's like, goes back into the bushes and, and he's, like, nothing to see here. <laughs> and, um, but they were really nice. And uh, it was just super embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So there you go. What are
1: yours? Um, so my pump moment of the week actually came to me courtesy of, of Instagram. Um, it was an article posted by all things comedy. And it was a story about a guy in Kansas who ran into a convenience store naked covered in ranch dressing and then proceeded to trash the convenience store, run outside, jump in his car and then crash into a pole that was the article. And it left, there were a lot of unanswered questions for me, like why ranch dressing? Are you concerned it's going to clog your pores? It's, you know, I don't know, like, where did you get the ranch dressing? You went into the convenience store already wearing it, all of that. So I just got a good chuckle out of that. And there was um, in the article, the police officer was quoted as saying, we are happy to report that no one was injured during this incident. But I'm going to have to go ahead and beg to differ, officer, because if anybody had to witness that abomination, they are permanently scarred for life, even if it is only emotionally. (laughs) So clearly, this poor guy was under the influence of something and that I feel bad about. But the story, like the visual of someone running into a convenience store naked, covered in ranch dressing, just
0: gave me a little chuckle. How (laughs) did, like, there's so many questions here, Liz. Yes, like, did he
1: disrobe in the car? Was he, did he drive naked to the store? I don't know. And that's so why I was a little disappointed there were not more details. Yeah.
0: Like, why ranch dressing? Was that his exactly. favorite condiment? Like, yeah. why not mustard? Right. Like, I know. So
1: bizarre. So bizarre. And oh, the poor officer who had to cuff him. <sighs> oh, <laughs> that would, yeah, I would be gagging yes.
0: that smell. I would know. Be I not. mean,
1: do you think they like hosed him off before they put him in the back of the squad car? They probably right? couldn't. Oh, God,
0: the humanity. <laughs> oh, wow. So,
1: I, I, as we sit here, like, I'm like, that really shouldn't have been my pump moment, but it did but make me laugh. It made me laugh.
0: And that's all we need yes, right now.
1: Yes. And my flat moment was having like a little mini, not breakdown, but just realization that so now all for, fall sports are over for my kids, and we're going to enter into this desert of nothingness for them to do on the weekends, which is really. Giving me a lot of anxiety because um, they normally they would all be playing basketball this winter and one of them would do track too and you know we'd have stuff going on during the week and on the weekends and now there's literally nothing and it's we're, I mean it's snow it's Halloween there's snow on the ground so I have a feeling we're in for a really long winter and I'm concerned just about their their mental health. I mean, it's not, it's not good for them to not have things to do and to not see people and not be involved in activities. And I worry a little bit less about my daughter because she has a bunch of friends that we get together with play dates, um, on a pretty regular basis. So she's, she stays pretty social and she's also creative and really good about doing things independently and playing with her Barbies or drawing or whatever. But the boys, I mean, if they don't get out of the house and get exercise,
0: they're crazy. Yeah,
1: they're, they're, crazy. And it's like, and I don't know if, if your son is like, yes, but like by 6 PM, it's like someone unleashed like a gaggle of rabid raccoons in my house. Yes. And it's just this swirl of running and jumping and everything becomes like, you know, like a jungle gym or a trampoline or yes. and then there's wrestling. And I don't deal well with Neither that do like I. chaos and noise, especially at the end of the day when I
0: need to decompress. Yes,
1: exactly. Like my switch is going off and their switches are going on. Yeah. So so I'm just worried, you know, it's just, again, not healthy. Like after we went, what we went through in the spring and seeing how negatively that affected my, my kids and their emotional state and all that. So just trying to find whatever we can do to keep them busy and still connected socially and, and all that. And, just, you know, and I think every parent is worried about that because I think we're, you know, right now in this kind of very delicate balance of, okay, things that seem to be okay, but if COVID cases get worse and things get shut down. So, you know, just trying our best to do what we can when we can.
0: Yes. Okay, easier said than done. I agree. And the whole thing with, I remember my husband one time I said, I think our son is over um, stimulated with too many things to do. Yep. And he said, okay, well, this is what his choice is, but also have you noticed the days when sports are canceled?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, do you like those days? (laughs) And I'm like, like, no. no. Yeah. Yeah. Because he does. does. He's a crazy person. Mm -hmm. He can't relax. He won't sit and read a book. No. He only does that at night sometimes for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I completely agree with you. Yeah. It's not good. Boys can't can't go without exercise. And... Yeah. Some outlet. Yes. So I actually thought about getting, um, like a heavy bag
1: or whatever and hanging oh. in the basement and just having them go down there and just kick, kick it. it. Yeah. So I don't know. We're, gonna, we're we'll have to figure this out because we just can't go, you know, four months of nothing. No, I agree. Um, so anyway, that was my flat moment. I think we're all as parents having those types of moments lately with our kids and this COVID situation. Um, okay. so should we get into our topic? Yes. Of I think the we week? Um, all right. So Lindsay and I wanted, we thought a good topic for this podcast would be, um, fertility or in our cases, lack thereof, um, IVF. We both went through IVF for different reasons and with different results. Um, and I think IVF is a lot more common than most people probably think these days. Um, I read an article online yesterday that one in eight couples will struggle with infertility. And, and since this technology was founded in the mid 80s, over a million babies have been born in the US alone as a result of IVF. So it's a pretty miraculous you know, technology, for lack of a better term. But I think that there's still a little bit of a stigma attached to it and, and people feeling comfortable discussing it. So if this is something that you've been through, you're going through, you're thinking about going through, it's... There's no stigma attached to it. However you get to your journey of parenthood is your story. not have been the journey you thought you were going to take, but it was the journey you were meant to take. So yes, for me, um, my journey to motherhood actually started off super easy. Um, my husband and I had been married for four or five years. We already bought a house in the burbs and we had been having conversations like, hey, it's probably time to start a family, you know blah, blah, blah. So um, this is how it went down. I said, Hey, you know um, how we've been talking about maybe trying to have a baby. He's like, yeah. And I said, I'm pretty sure I'm ovulating. So you just want to like knock this out right now. And he's like, all right, boom, knocked up. (laughs) No joke. That's how it happened. So (laughs) um, about, so we have our son and when our son is about 18 months old, we decide, all right, it's time for baby number two, because I live my life according to Excel spreadsheets and checklists. And we were going to have two children and they were going to be around two and a half years apart. And then we were going to be done. Right. (laughs) So we start trying and I'm thinking it's going to be just as easy as last time. Nothing, 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 nothing. Um, I go see my doctor after maybe four or five months. And his medical advice to me was, have more sex.
0: Super. Um, yeah. And
1: at that point, it's like transactional, right? It's, it's a means to an end. So we keep trying, trying, trying. Um, and then I find out I'm pregnant. And it's you know maybe eight months after we had initially decided we were going to try. And we find out I'm pregnant about two weeks before we're supposed to stay in a rental house with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and their two kids up the street from my in-law's house. So it would be too soon to share the news with anybody. So we talked about, all right, well, we'll just have to figure out how to hide it and be discreet and all of that. And so, OK, no problem. Um, it's the day we leave for vacation, get the car all packed, hit the road. Um, and as we're going over the Bourne Bridge, I just feel something. And it's like that feeling you get when you are like in a meeting and you're like, oh my god, did I just get my period? Like that feeling. And I knew instantly something was wrong. Um, and this was 10 years ago and I can still remember that moment like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I crossed that stupid bridge a lot of times in the summer. And I think about it every time I cross that oh. bridge. So I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything to Danny he was driving and, you know, we had our son in the back seat. And so we get to the rental house and I just, I just threw the, my bags down. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I ran into the bathroom and I was bleeding. So at this point we are supposed to be at his parents' house in a half an hour for dinner. It's a Saturday. So, you know, I knew I could call the doctor, but I just get their messaging, messaging service or whatever. So I said to Danny, I was like, I'm, I'm bleeding. And he
0: (laughs) goes, is that normal? I was like, no dummy. I'm pregnant. It's not normal.
1: Did you, did you have a
0: feeling that you knew what was happening? Yeah, Yeah. it was just, um, I mean,
1: it was eight eight weeks long. long. Um, so it was still early, you know, it wasn't this traumatic thing or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I just, I just knew. Yeah. I just knew this wasn't going to stop. So I said, I I need to call the doctor. So I call, leave a message with the answering service, and then just kind of start unpacking and getting organized and whatever. And then it's time to go up to his parents for dinner. And I'm trying to put
0: a smile smile on
1: my face and think, you know, at least I had a toddler with me who I can chase after and not have to get locked down in some
0: weird conversation. conversation.
1: Exactly. So we're in the back, their backyard. Um, barbecuing, my phone rings. It's the, it's the doctor on call calling me back and I tell her what's going on. And she said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. She said, it does sound like you're having a miscarriage. And so we made an appointment for me to go in on Monday just to, you know, meet with my doctor and confirm what we probably already knew. I hang up the phone and it's time for family dinner. So <laughs> I go in, sit down. I somehow you have a even big glass,
0: glass of wine or at that point. Point. I, you know, I didn't want to drink until I knew for sure. And,
1: and I just, I've been, I just felt disgusting and sick yeah. and sad and all of that. And, um, so I somehow make it through dinner with small talk and whatever. And then after dinner, I just make an excuse and say that I have a, a really bad headache. So I'm going to go lie down. And I, I took our son back up to the rental house and then Danny joined me a little while later. And he said, what the doctor say? And I said, she, she said, I'm probably having a miscarriage. And I just, broke down and just started sobbing and he hugs me and I swear to God, Lindsay, he must've Googled everything not to say to someone when they're having a miscarriage because he was like, well, it wasn't meant to be, uh, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. We can always try again. We already have a healthy child. And I'm like, (laughs) I am fucking devastated here and you are reciting like shitty platitudes from a gas station (laughs) greeting card. Like Like, shut the fuck up." up. So, so, yeah, so that was that, um, it made for a memorable family vacation. Yeah. I went to the doctor on Monday, confirmed everything. And, um, you know, we had to, he, I made him share the news with his parents. I was like, you have to tell them like, I, I'm not going to pretend for a week that I'm happy in a good, in a good mood. Like, I don't want to discuss this with them, but I, I just want them to know. Yeah. Um, and I told my poor yes. sister-in-law who is the sweetest human being on the planet that I actually felt guilty when I was telling her. I, the next day I said, Jesus, hey, you know, like, I know I've been a little, a little off, um, you know, the past day or so. And she's like, oh God, don't even worry about it. You don't owe me any, expl- any explanation. I was like, no, no, I, I should tell you what's going on. And I was like, I'm having oh. a miscarriage. Like, like right, right now, now, like as we stand here, I'm just, I'm having one. And she's, and I felt so bad for her because she was like, oh, oh, she's I, so sweet and so sense, And she started crying and then I started crying. Uh-huh. And I, I was, I was actually grateful
0: to have her with you and to, to be able to. Yes. Yeah.
1: Cause just as you know, we went for a long walk and talked. So just as a woman, I mean, she hadn't gone through one, but you know, she's a mother, she can understand, you know, so it was I think probably if I was going to happen, you know, having her there was, I'm you sure. know, was a good source of support. So after after that, I was, you know, thought to myself, like, enough is enough. We've been trying. I want to have a baby. I'm we're going alternative methods here. So I Googled reproductive endocrinologists and found my doctor, who I refer to as the baby maker, because she's helped <laughs> several people I know, aside from myself, make babies. Um, and the day I met her, I was like, this is, this is karma because she, her story was the same as mine. She had her son, no problem at all. And then they went to try again, a couple years later, nothing, nothing, nothing. She had to go through IVF to get pregnant and she ended up with twin boys. So I just felt like instantly connected to her. She had this compassionate, you know, manner about her. And and she's like, I see no reason why we can't get you pregnant. And she laid out all the options. Um, and the first of which was IUI, which for those of you out there who don't know what that is, it's artificial insemination. Turkey baster. Turkey baster. So they take the sperm and they inject it into your fallopian tube and, you know, hopefully the magic happens. And I figured, oh, yeah, like, let's definitely do that. I've been pregnant twice. Like, I just need to have the sperm and the egg, meet at the dance and do their thing. And (laughs) nope, no big deal. And it's like the least invasive thing. You don't have to do shots, nothing. Um, so I did that, I did two rounds of that and two failed rounds of that. And you find out they failed because you get your period. And I don't know about you, but I feel like every time I got my period and realized I wasn't pregnant, it was at the worst time. Oh yeah. One of which was on a business trip in Houston for my second IUI, I think it was. I, at that, back then I had to travel a lot for work doing sales presentations. Um, so this time I was, I was in Houston We were at a Starbucks prepping for um, our presentation at the prospective client's office down the street. And so I went to the restroom before we were leaving and lo and behold, got my period. And so I knew obviously the cycle had failed and I couldn't do anything about like, I had to go present at this meeting and I'm with a bunch of dudes and no one I really knew all that well. So it's not even like I could be like, oh my God, this is happening to me. So I go present during the meeting, go straight to the airport afterwards. And I was grateful that I was flying home by myself and no one else from my company was with me because it was a nighttime flight. So like the second those lights went off in the airplane and it was dark, I just like cried. cried by myself and like have to ride home. So after that, you know, Danny and I talked about it and I said, we're, let's go IVF. Like enough is enough. Like, cause every time something fails, you have to wait and you have to wait yeah, another month or exactly. something to
0: like have it like mm-hmm. die down and then come back up. Yes, yep. And
1: that's the worst part of it all. When you're in the cycles, you at least have something to do or another appointment or, or something like that between the cycles is the worst. Cause you feel like this is wasted time. I could be trying to have a baby or I could be pregnant yes. or all that. Yes. Um, so we decide we're going to go IVF and, um, and we start all the tests and everything for both of us. Everything comes back fine you know there should be no reason why this doesn't work and I think statistically speaking there's like a 30 percent at that I think I was 36 37 when we started IVF um there's a 30 percent chance of success um which doesn't sound like a like lot, lot but I was having zero percent chance of success trying everything else so we start with all the shots um and the shots didn't really bother me at all. You know, even though like over a period of time, I would have had bruises on my legs and my stomach and my arms and all that. I have the same story. Yes, yes. And, and you and look like you've been battered yes. and beaten. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. You do. Um, but, you know, I was like, this is a means to an end. This is a means to an end. Like We can get through this. Um, and so the point of the shots, again, for folks who have not gone through this, is to build up your follicles. So you, instead of having one egg, to fertilize, you can get a lot of eggs to fertilize. Um, so after, I don't know, two weeks of all the various shots, which, you know, some of them you have to mix together. We must have watched countless YouTube videos to make sure that we were doing it the right way. And you have to give the shots at the same time every day. And, you know, we were so paranoid that we weren't going to, we were going to miss a time or we weren't going to put the shot in the right place, or we weren't going to mix it properly. And it's like, it's this, scientific medical thing that you're doing in your own home, which is really weird. It is. Um, and so it was time after I went for an ultrasound, it was time for my egg retrieval. And you have to give yourself that trigger. They call it the trigger shot, which is this ginormous needle. And they t- they give you like a very specific time to give the trigger shot. And they're like, all right, at eleven thirty-seven 37 PM tonight, like you have to do your trigger shot and if you don't ass. do it then. Yes. In your butt. So someone else has to, or at least Danny did mine.
0: Um, my mother, think. my <laughs> mother-in-law did mine. She was a nurse. <laughs> oh, all right. God, I wouldn't trust her. that Because yes. my husband was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. It looks that's, way too scary. That's and what was, my husband
1: said, and mm-hmm. I
0: was like, if you fuck this up, yeah, I, th- this is over. <laughs> like, you know, and my, uh, we were out here and my mother-in-law was like, I'll do it. And I was like, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, I was like, pulled my drawers down.
1: I'm like, all right, it's time. And he's- That like, one hurt too. It does hurt. It does. And, he's, and he looked at the needle and he freaked out. And he's like, yes, gigantic. And he said, this this needle's huge, hun." And I said, I know. It is what it is. And he said, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt you. And I was like, if you don't give me the fucking shot, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> it's just like- I'm fine. Just do it. But again, like, I think we watched the YouTube video like nine times because it's an exact, like a very specific spot on your butt. Yes. You have to do it. So like in the muscle.
0: Dragging. Yes. If you only have one shot. You fuck it up. That's it. And it's an expensive. It shot. is.
1: Yes. Um, so he did that. I go for my egg retrieval the next day. They get 19 eggs. Um, That's and I know. And the next day after the retrieval, I definitely felt like little wonky in that area. Um, and I fertilized, I think 13, and then they chose you to implant and the whole process is kind of cool. Cause they actually show you the pictures of your embryos and they show you, all right, these two are the best. They're, They're the most symmetrical, symmetrical blah, blah, blah. you know, blah, blah, blah. So, so they go, they implant the two, the two, the two embryos, embryos and, I and I make my appointment for my pregnancy test, test two weeks plan. later, which I didn't need because on day 12, a period, and I, that was devastating. It really like I went in to meet with my doctor after that, and she said, "I'm really surprised this didn't work, Liz." She said, "I thought for sure it would," and she said, "I'm going to you know meet with my team, and maybe we'll adjust some of the meds for the next round if that's what you want. You know, you want to keep going." I'm like, "We're gonna we're gonna keep going," um, but she looked at me and she said, "I will get you pregnant," and then I just like lost it. <laughs> And so we went through the process all over again and implanted two embryos and I made my pregnancy appointment and like, I was so nervous those days, those last couple days leading up to the appointment that I felt like every time, like I was so nervous. Every time I went to the bathroom, I'm like, there's going to be blood there. There's going to be blood there, you know, but there wasn't. And I made it to my appointment and sure enough, I was knocked up. <laughs> and. So, and they tell you, you know, where, what your HCG levels are and the higher the levels kind of the more viable or stronger the pregnancy is. And there's a pretty wide range there, but I went home and I Googled what my HCG levels were based on the blood test. And I was like, those are really high. There might be more than one in there, (laughs) but it was still within the normal range, but could be. So I went a few days, I can't remember, it was like a few days later or the following week I had to go for my ultrasound him in there and I'm by myself. I go to all these appointments unless I need Danny's sperm. He doesn't have to come. To <laughs> you know, like I can do all this by myself. I'm in the same way. Right. Yeah. So the ultrasound technician is like, Oh yep, yeah, here's, here's one embryo and Oh, here, here's two embryos. And I was like, I'm oh, sorry, what? <laughs> and I just, I remember at that moment feeling like I was in someone else's life. Like I was in it. And granted I chose, we chose to put the two embryos in,
0: but there's always a chance one's not going to. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. So I just felt like right from right then on there, I'm living in a dream. Like this isn't, this is someone else's life. Again, I was supposed to have two kids, two and a half years apart. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what is going on. So I leave, I go to check out at the nurse's desk and they're like, did you hear twins, twins? I'm like, shut up. You're making it real. (laughs) so, and they were so lovely and so excited for me, but I was like, still in Oh trouble. my God. Yeah. And I get in the car because I have to go to work now. Did you start crying? And, well, I called, like I was shaking, I was shaking. And I like, I, I called, I called my husband at work and I'm like, and he's like, how'd the appointment go? I'm like, Oh, there's, there's two of them. And he's like, "What would I go twins? We're having twins. And he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> and I like, then I got pissed because I needed, because I was freaking out. I needed him to be excited about it to and make me feel better, yes. but that didn't happen. He was freaked out about it. I was freaked out about it. I go to work. I can't even focus. And there was a woman I work with. I love her so much. She's just one of the best human beings on the planet. She knew what I was going through. I had to tell someone, I told her and I said, you know, I said, granted, I'm like five minutes pregnant Yeah, now, but like, I'm freaking out. So I'll be honest. Like there were some dark days a couple weeks after we found out we were having twins. Again, it wasn't something we had planned for. We knew, we knew it was a possibility, but not something we yeah. thought would be reality. You know, right. I worried about what is this going to do to my oldest? You know, we plan on giving him one sibling. Now he's was going to have two babies. You know, I just worried kind of what that would do to him. I worried like we, can afford two kids in daycare? Can we afford three kids in daycare? You know, so just logistically, do we have the right car? Do we, have, what is this? And you, all these things. And, and what, and how am I going to take care of two babies at the same time? And, um, <laughs> it was like we almost didn't talk, talk about it for a little while because it's too scary. It was too scary. It was too scary. But then, you know, it, We obviously became we were thrilled to be pregnant. We were thrilled that everything seemed to be healthy and whatnot. And and once we started telling people, it that definitely helped because everybody was so excited. And now I mean, fast forward, you know, my twins are eight and I witnessed so many amazing, and still too to this day, but when they were infants, just uh, so many amazing moments as a mother, the way they interacted with each other. I mean, they shared a bedroom for five years and they still have sleepovers. They love each other so much. They just have this incredible bond that, you know, again, going back to what I said at the beginning, um whatever your your journey is to parenthood and whatever your family looks like it probably isn't what you thought it was going to look like but it's what was meant to be and so for me this is this is what's meant to be and it you know it's like there are some speed bumps along the way but you know there my kids are amazing and I'm really lucky
0: yes so that's my story <laughs> um i love everything you said cuz there's some similarities mm-hmm. to how we got there and i definitely definitely think that this stigma should be taken away from it because there's so many women and families that we know that have been going through this. Mm -hmm. Like once we started talking about this more, every single person that we know, um, except I think two of our friends Mm -hmm. have gone through this Yep, and not just gone through this, but gone through this Multiple times. Yep. One of our friends, I think, went through this nine times. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, and the more that I've talked to people, the more they're like, why don't people talk about this more? So mine was different than yours. Um, and, you know, I always like to go back to you spend your entire mm-hmm. sexual awakening. Yes. Try not to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Only to when you start a family going, okay, we're ready. And then you can't. And that is like the biggest rub and um, worst part of this whole deal. So mine started that I have endometriosis Mm -hmm. and um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So when we started trying to get pregnant, I went straight to my doctor and said, is this going to work? Because I have two strikes against mm-hmm. me already. And he said, probably not. So why don't we, you know, give you Clomid and some mm-hmm. other, um, medicines to try and get you there first faster. And it didn't work. It made me feel so gross. gross and bloated and it made my polycystic ovarian sy- syndrome get worse he said skip IUI altogether, go straight to um, IVF. So when that um, was our option, um, my husband's father, we were in Idaho, we were living in Idaho at the time, and we felt that the medical situation there wasn't going to be as good Mm -hmm. as it was in Massachusetts. And so my father-in-law and mother-in-law were like, why don't you come to Massachusetts where they have uh, better um, IVF doctors? And we were going to be paying more out of pocket, but our chances were going to probably be a lot better. So we agreed to it. And there was a lot of flying back and forth in the beginning, but it was worth it Mm -hmm. to us. And so, the beginning, we were getting um, our medicine and our shots off of online. And, you know, that's scary because are we getting counterfeit meds to start this whole entire thing? Mm -hmm. Like, that could be the loss of the entire experiment.
1: Right. You're just blindly injecting yourself with this stuff and hoping for the best. And
0: so, you know, we talked to our doctor. She was amazing. She went through IVF too. And, um, she said, you know, these are reputable companies Mm -hmm. in England. We got the shots, bruises, refrigerating your, Mm -hmm. um, your shots. Yes. So everything was good came to Massachusetts, made sure I got the time off for work, took my vacation days um, at a certain time, and Mm -hmm. knew that going into it, it would be tough. But because I was in my early 30s, they were like, you're going to be good to go. And we had this plan with our doctor that we would implant two embryos. Mm -hmm. And um, because there's always that chance that one is not going to make it. And there's always the chance that one could split. Yes. Um, Massachusetts and the place we went with had a better average of not having multiples, which that is always, you know, in some lesser places, you Get an average of more multiples. Mm-hmm. So that was the one thing that Brian and I did our research that we weren't going to try and have multiples. Mm-hmm. And that is why we made this plan with her. It was all good going in. So go in for the day of the retrieval and I had 27 <gasps> eggs.
1: Holy cow, Lindsay.
0: And I did not feel good down no. there, like you said. and. Wow. The other thing that I felt really bad about is that when you're in the hospital, there's only little thin curtains, Mm -hmm. um, to like block you from the other ladies that are in there.
1: Yeah. It's like a, like a cattle, like it's yeah.
0: Yes. It's not private. It's not private at all. And this poor woman next to me, they're like, she got two eggs retrieved and she heard mine and I heard hers. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, like I wanted to share my eggs right. with her, but at the same time I stopped it cold in my tracks going, but that's my baby. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it was just like, so like, the, like, cause the doctor was like, oh my gosh, you got 27 oh. eggs and they're all A and B grades. Wow, And like, I didn't know if twenty-seven was good or bad, like that. I had no concept mm-hmm. there. I knew grades. So that was like, oh, A's and B's mm-hmm. sound good, but then when they went next door and they're like, you have two. I was like, twenty-seven is a lot better than So I oh. like, it was just an awful process, mm-hmm. and after that day, I felt awful, like extremely awful. And they're like. Well, and I called the doctor back, and they're like, "Well, it's just because you had 27 eggs. That's a lot." And blah 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 blah. So then I forget how long you go back to get mm-hmm.
1: the yeah, um, a few days later for the um implantation. Yes.
0: So um, I get the eight the big shot before yep. you go in, and I feel horrendous, Liz. Horrendous, mm. and they're like. Well, you probably have a little bit of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which when, when- It's dangerous. Yeah. When you you go through IVF, you read up on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the thing you don't want to get, that um, if you have a bit of it, they'll still go through with it if it's a very mild case, but if you have- it bad, they won't because you don't have a chance of implantation. And I felt pretty bad to tell you mm-hmm. the truth. And it feels like the flu. It feels like a horrible case of being hung over. And um, Brian um, and his mother-in-law went with me and I said, I felt like absolute dog shit. And um, Brian's like, well, what do you want to do? And here I am facing to be out 12 K,
1: you know?
0: (sighs) Yeah. And all the stuff we just went through for months. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can do this. I can do this for the family. And like, but literally feeling like close to death and crap. So we get into the, um, the room and, my doctor's not there; it's another doctor, which we were warned could happen. But that's just like a top, like of me feeling like mm-hmm. crap. And this doctor goes, "Oh yeah, you probably have mild OHSS right now." And I was like, "Well, it feels more than mild to me." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Well, it's your choice." Like he wasn't very nice. Oh my His god! The bedside manner sucked and so i'm looking at brian like pleading with him to say it's okay that we don't do this Mm -hmm. kind of yeah it's also twelve thousand dollars and you're just how awful it's like you're expected to make
1: that call as you're sitting there like and all you want to do is get pregnant and you know if you say i can't do this right now then you're starting this process all over again and you're just delaying and
0: yeah it but it was like Sophie's choice. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was no baby. Yeah. Or baby. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right. And and no medical
1: advice over on what you should do.
0: And and my doctor was a very caring person mm-hmm. that could have like talked me through it better. Yeah. This guy was a total dick. Oh. And he said, and we're only gonna implant one, which in the long run was probably the better medical Mm -hmm. decision at that That time time because I was was so so sick, sick. but he didn't choose that that because because I was sick. sick. He chose that because he chose that because I was young, younger. And he goes, you're younger and you're fine. And I, and Brian was mad actually too. And he said, but that wasn't what we talked about with our doctor. That wasn't our plan. And he goes, well, I'm doing this right now and she's young and she's fine. So we're literally getting rolled into the hospital room. And the only like good omen was that the nurse was my mom's name and she was super nice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's the only like good omen for me right now that this could be okay. So we get implanted and we also had a our doctor had told us that doing acupuncture after the retrieval yeah. and um or the retrieval and the implantation had better results so we went to um the acupuncturist after the implantation mm-hmm. who looks like a asian tina turner oh my god <laughs> she's <laughs> Amazing! The very first time I went into her office, her office smelled like weed. Oh my and this god! This is way before Massachusetts; it was over <laughs> legal. And she's hilarious. Wears like leather pants mm-hmm. and just crazy. What a riot! And the last thing I wanted to do was go to another appointment after this. I'm in the office, and this elderly man is sitting next to my mother-in-law, and says. Is that your daughter? Because we kind of look similar. Mm-hmm. And my mother in law goes, No, that's my daughter in law. And he goes, She looks really oh, bad. She looks like she needs help. Oh my gosh. And, and I you just feel never, horrible yes, in that moment. Oh my God. And I'll never forget that. Wow. And for someone, a stranger, mm-hmm. to say that to another person, like, completely like that's how bad I was doing. So fast forward to the next to that night, I was so sick. I got threw up all night long. (gasps) I didn't want to wake up um my my in-laws or Brian. They got up, they get up really early and I was on the couch and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. And they got me to the emergency room and I was promptly taken to um, the hospital. And from there on, I was checked in for in and out of the hospital for two months. Wow. And I ended up with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. And my HCG levels were super high because that sh- booster shot mm-hmm. is an HCG mm-hmm. shot. So for two months, um, I had, um, third spacing in my body, which is where from the neck to the top of the thighs, you get water liquid that won't go anywhere else. So I look like a cabbage patch kid from here to the upper thighs. And what it does is because there's so much liquid, Mm -hmm. it shuts down, it starts shutting down your organs. So every three days, they had to take me down to another level to um, put a pericentesis, which is a super long needle mm-hmm. and um, draw the liquid out. And it looked <gasps> like I was like running my own brewery because oh they God. put it into big jugs that <gasps> look like it came from a brewery. And I would fill 10 to 13 jugs with just the liquid inside my body. Oh my God. And then my body would go back to its like semi-normal shape. And then it would just fill up again. Yeah. Holy cow. And so it was the craziest time. And some of the stuff I can remember very clearly and mm-hmm. some I can't because I just blocked it out. Yeah. And the one thing that was nuts was that it, because, um, Brigham and Women's was a teaching hospital. Oh yeah. It was like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. On display. I was on display Mm -hmm. for everybody. They're like, we haven't seen anything like this Mm -hmm. for 10 years. And it's not what you want to hear. No. Medical professionals. Because I was like, I do not want to be an anomaly. And I would have to retell my story almost every day. And I'm tired and I don't feel Mm -hmm. good and I'm sick. And But the baby was okay this whole time. Like there was, we didn't know because the hCG levels were so high that they're like it's just still the shot. Okay, and I didn't feel good. And besides that, I was being pumped full of drugs, Liz, like major drugs, because I they I was dying Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. my organs were shutting down. Jesus. So no one thought I had a baby. Yeah. Even at that point, just to be very clear, I didn't want a baby. Yeah.
1: You just wanted to survive.
0: I just wanted to survive. And, um, they took me down to imaging and they took me down to other things. And I, I actually like almost became a zombie Mm -hmm. because I was just like, I don't fucking care about anything. Yeah. Did you take a leave of absence from work and whatnot? My I have to say that my work was so impressive mm-hmm. and just said, we want you to survive yeah. and come home. So um, at that point there were, <laughs> the Grey's Anatomy uh, analogy was mm-hmm. no, no exaggeration because hot doctors would come in and out <laughs> of our room on the rig. <laughs> and one moment that I will never forget, Brian was sleeping about two feet away away from me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was probably like five in the morning. I actually was like asleep and could sleep that day. And it was one of the days that before they had um, drained me. So I was <gasps> like full, full cabbage patch. <laughs> and my business down mm-hmm. there was full. Oh my God. And it looks like something out of a science project and the hottest doctor that I had not seen before on the level of McSteamy mm-hmm. comes in, wakes me up. I'm like a one eye open and he goes, hi. He goes, I just was supposed to come in here and check on you. I'm like one, you've never checked on me. Right. Who are you? <laughs> Am I dreaming? And he goes, I need to check everything. I'm really sorry. And I check down there and I was I like was like at first I was like this is a really good dream Mm -hmm. and then when he said Mm -hmm. I need to check down there I was like this is a A really bad dream and he checked and I was like oh my god oh my god I'm like Brian like I wanted Brian to wake up but then I didn't and then I was like this is horrible oh my god And he's like, okay, thank you. I'm like, so degrading, right? so degrading, so degrading. I'm like, like it was the worst thing that could possibly happen. So then about two days later after that, Mm -hmm. um, some like jerky doctor, almost exactly like the guy who did our implantation. Came in our room, and that was the other thing. There was just different doctors every day, it wasn't like your regular doctor. He came in, he looked at my chart as he was leaving. He goes, And by the way, congratulations! And Brian was sitting there watching the TV with me, and he the doctor left the room, Mm -hmm. and I was like half out of it, right? Because I was on drugs and whatever. And Brian and I looked at each other, and I go, he just said, congratulations, mm-hmm. congratulations to what? Am I getting out of here? Right. What was that? And Brian chased him out of the room and was like, hey, hey, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Congratulations on what? And he goes, oh, you don't know? You're um, pregnant.
1: Oh my God, that's how you found out?
0: That is how we freaking found out. Wow. And then we didn't trust it.
1: Right, of course. Cause you didn't see an ultrasound. You didn't, you know, God only knows. And oh.
0: then he goes, "Oh yeah, the HCG. It's been long enough where your HCG shot has worn out, and your um, fetus HCG has taken over." And then we didn't believe it right. still. So, and then we were scared that our kid was going to become some crazy thing, right? Because of all the drugs, the paracentesis, mm-hmm. everything else. And then I was still getting liquid taken out and then I was scared. Oh my God, that big needle could hit the fetus right. at some point. So it was to say the least a huge roller coaster. Oh my God. I felt extremely lucky to have gotten pregnant. Mm-hmm. The ending of it was horrible because we had um a five hundred thousand dollar hospital bill. Oh my lord. <laughs> that we thought was either going to bankrupt Brian and I. Mm-hmm. Um or we didn't know how we were going to get out of that. Mm-hmm. However, um we proved that it was caused by IVF mm-hmm. and OHSs. Um and not the pregnancy. And um, a lawyer in California helped us prove that. And so we got off with like smaller Mm -hmm. um, fines and paid our lawyer. Our lawyer was amazing because the insurance wasn't going to pay. And Cherry picked a um, piece of evidence and our lawyer found the actual piece and he's like oh well if you read the rest of this right. they just cherry picked the top of it the rest of it proves your case it was oh my god the most trying yes and that is honestly why we only have one child mm-hmm. and i'm very happy with that he's a miracle mm-hmm. and to say the least ivf is a very trying, Mm -hmm. trying, um, situation for most people. And it can also bring postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And for me also, um, PTSD because of everything that happened. And so I had to also go through, um, interestingly enough, um, some therapy that they put Uh, like Navy SEALs and stuff. Wow. Which was really interesting, like light therapy and sound therapy because they were the hospital, which I'm glad they did. This was really worried that Mm -hmm. I was going to have really bad postpartum depression because of what I went through in the hospital. And my doctor who I love, my IVF doctor made me do it. Wow. I was like, I'm not a therapy person, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm glad she made me because there's a stigma around therapy yes. and postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And I went to like five or six sessions and did audio and light therapy. And I really do think that there's a little bit of postpartum depression that happens to all women mm-hmm. after pregnancy because the hormone. And how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough people talk about that as well. Agreed. But I think it could have been 10 times worse if I didn't do the wow. the light therapy and the audio therapy that she had me do.
1: So did you so what was the difference between how you felt before the therapy and then after the therapy? Like what like what were your, I guess, realizations after you completed therapy about kind of your mental state?
0: I think that. I wasn't in such a dark place. Mm-hmm. I think that I realized that I was hiding how dark yeah it got for me and how like I almost died. And that it, I think I just came to the realization of like getting over that that happened to me because I tend to like bury that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's fine. It's care. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we're accomplished women. Mm-hmm. We move on. We're like, Oh, well I have right. to get to this. Exactly. I have to do this. Yeah. So I just want to move on. And that's what my doctor knew I would mm-hmm. probably do. And I, she was right. And she said, no, because when you have this baby, it's going to be 10 times harder. Right. And
1: And thank God, because, yeah, you have to mentally prepare to care for another human being. It's your first baby, and you don't even really know how to do that. So it's so taxing on you, even under the best of circumstances. You're sleep-deprived. You're all hormonal. So regardless of going through a near-death experience,
0: it's going to be difficult. So I'm so glad your doctor pushed that on you. I'm so glad, too, Mm -hmm. because I, like, fought it tooth tooth and nail. And then I was like, like, I don't want to do this. And And then, then after the first one where they ask you how you're feeling and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, (laughs) and then um, the second one, when we actually got into like the light therapy Mm -hmm. and stuff, I thought it was like kooky at first. And then after it, I was like, wow, I feel like lighter already. And so there's something about it, obviously that works for Navy SEALs. And I was like, it works for me.
1: Uh, But I think you bring up a really good point about the mental health aspect of infertility, postpartum depression, just, or even, you know, just being mothers in general. I mean, I remember, you know, when we started going through the IVF process or the IUI and whatnot on the failed cycles. You know, Danny said, like, I think that you need to go talk to someone because I was, like you said, in a really dark place, I was depressed. I was angry. I was resentful. I was ashamed, that my body couldn't do what it was supposed to do. I felt like every time I turned around, another pregnant belly was hitting me in the face. You know, I felt like, you know, we had a lot of friends and other people in our lives, family members who were getting pregnant with their third and sometimes fourth kids during that time. And I was just like, why then? Why then? And I, this is horrible, but I had a really hard time being genuinely happy for them. <laughs> it's, and i like, I hope they have trouble losing the baby weight. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, and Liz, was, you know,
0: I think that's normal. I actually it does and I mm-hmm. actually I got into a really bad place with one of my old best friends. Yep. Um because she had no problem getting mm-hmm. pregnant and kept talking about her second one that was on the way. And I remember she was at my parents' house and kept talking about it, and I, and I just felt like if you're one of my best friends and you know how hard I'm having yeah. problems with, why would you do this? Be a little more sensitive. And and I left, like left my parents' house, and she was still there, and I was just like, I'm leaving right now, Mom. Yep. I can't take it. Yep. And I felt the same way. I felt like I was getting hit by. Well, I have no problem getting pregnant. Right. I'm like, it's fertile myrtles against the infertile myrtles. Exactly. Exactly. And and it it is really hard. And Mm -hmm. it it's hard. It was hard to be super happy and genuine for everybody that was around you, if they didn't show compassion towards you of what you were going through. Agreed. Agreed.
1: All right. So should we lighten things up a little bit? I we, <laughs> we did promise people that that they would laugh during this podcast. So we yes. have to bring some laughs. Um, but I think that that was a good, open, honest conversation. I hope people got something out of it. Um,
0: so Lynns, what's in the box this week? What's in the box this week? Well, what's in the box this week is this sign that we have to replace over your head oh. because it is not in the frame and we're going to put it over your shoulder next time. But... Know, my, big, my big pumpkin head. No, like... it's not. <laughs> it's just we placed it in the wrong spot, but it's the signs that um, people have and are popping up everywhere. Um, the signs where you can, the marquee signs where you put the little letters into the felt and our sign is the sign with our statement that it's, if you're not in the arena, also getting your ass kicked, uh, we're not interested in your feedback um, because we just love that statement. Um, it's, it says it all right there, folks. But also these signs, I just started laughing and telling Liz that people love these signs and they also change these letters all the time. And these letters are not easy to change. They're like minute and these little nubs don't stick in right. And so these letters are going to stay like this because I'm not changing these letters. (laughs) And I got to tell you, I got to tell you that when you first get them, it's just a bag of so many letters. And every time I kept grabbing for them, I was getting a lot of X's and Z's. So I was like, "Is someone just gonna make a sleepy sign with right. a lot of X's and O's?" I don't... Who needs those letters? I, it, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's that's what I got in oh the box, gosh, and even my husband was like, like, "What the fuck is this? Why do we need this like sign?" Children's arts and crafts project. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." It took forty-five uh, minutes oh to load it. My God. <laughs> so that's why it's never getting changed. That's right. What's uh, why, what did you get this week? So
1: my what's in the box was. Um, A succulent plant. So at the beginning of COVID, when we all found out we'd be working from home for eternity, um, I decided to spruce up my home office a little bit. And so I got this set of five little succulent plants from Amazon with five like really cute ceramic pots. And um, per the description on Amazon, these succulents require little care and are difficult to damage, which is the opposite of me. I require a lot of care and I am easily damaged. However, I have since managed to kill two of them. 40% of the succulents are now dead. (laughs) I didn't think that those could die. Yeah, you only have to water them every two weeks and I seem to not even be able to keep up with that. And so, and the worst part is, is they're on my windowsill. I stare at them pretty much all day. Like I can see them over the top of my laptop. So I know. That they require some water. And I'm like, I'll get to that after my next call. I'll get to that after my next caller. Danny cruises through my office and he goes, "Your succulents need water."
0: <laughs> it's so because I had those, to get a replacement succulent. because mm-hmm. Dan and Brian are the green thumbs right. of our lives, exactly. and you and I are the the moldy brown totally. thumbs. I have no idea. And what that's you why even call I got them because yeah. I
1: figured I won't kill these. And yeah, to your point, we're married to like Captain Horticulture <laughs> and like they're out there tending to their land. <laughs> it's like, <what> the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? So yeah, so that's what was in this And it's really pretty, a really pretty pink one. So I'm going to try Ooh, to keep it alive. Yeah. Thank you
0: guys for listening. Um, some of these topics will be a little bit lighter. Uh, <laughs> like our next one. Yes. But, <laughs> uh, we do have to bring you the truth in uh honesty in a lot of the topics because that's what we're here for and that's what hopefully you guys are here for but thank you guys for listening please uh remember if you are feeling frenzied dig deep for your fabulousness Mm -hmm. um and we hope you are enjoying this please subscribe and rate us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts also, we are on YouTube, and you can subscribe there as well and watch us. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps people find us, leave comments and or topics that you would like to hear. And um, please start telling your friends about us because that's how people, other people can find us and start listening as well. You can find us on all of the socials at Multitasking and Heels, and we hope to see more of you The other thing we wanted, Liz and I wanted to let you guys know that our 10,000th listener will be able to um, pick the topic and join us as a guest Mm -hmm. and get merch. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything goes. Anything goes. Mm -hmm. So um, whoever that may be, if they are willing to come on, um, we're very excited. So we can't wait to get there. Thank you guys. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.